Hey, my friends, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanne LaFleur. This is season four, episode eight. Today on the episode, we have Jake Gosselin, who's the lead on a company called Church Front. Church Front, if you haven't heard of them, is all about production and engaging tech-savvy worship gatherings and live events. So uh, he has an amazing story, really, of how he came out of church, local church worship leading, and into this stumbling into YouTube and growing uh, his content that led into this business. So it's going to be a great conversation about how he has done that and uh, what he sees from both the pastoral side and then now the business side of how ministries can be connected to technology and production experiences to make things more impactful. So excited for the episode today. Thanks so much to everybody who's listening and who's joining this Digital Church Facebook group as well. I'm excited to see this group grow. If you haven't joined, go to Facebook and look up Digital Church and you're going to find us. Or you can, of course, just click the link below in the show notes. But uh, we'd love for you to join this group. It's a growing community of leaders, pastors, volunteers, people who are interested in the world of digital and church and how they collide. We're sharing resources, we're connecting, we're building um, relationships with one another and just learning together along the way. So I'd love you to join our community. It's free. Why not? Come learn with us. Thanks so much to Compassion. Uh, Just their partnership on this podcast has been amazing. And it's a real privilege, especially during COVID-19 with all the challenges that are going on um, for people who are living in poverty right now. Uh, It's just an amazing privilege that I get to talk about this and keep this in front of us during this season. Uh, For some people, of course, like if you're living in poverty with COVID-19, it can equal disaster. The health systems can get dangerously overwhelmed in these low resource settings where compassion works. But compassion staff around the world is adapting and they're innovating and day by day they're figuring out how to help and assist kids and their families. Compassion workers know people by name. They work in this local community. They were there before and will be there after the pandemic. That's one of the reasons I love them so much. They're all about the local church and serving alongside of people in a very personal and meaningful way. So even, you know, I've been hearing stories about how people are connecting to families in isolation through text and phone and WhatsApp and how they're using technology as well. Of course, they're providing medical supplies, hygiene kits, extra food, but there's but there's all kinds of things that are happening as well through technology in this global world, this digitized world that we live in. So there's so much need right now. Go to compassion.ca slash COVID today to give. We would love for you to be part of it. I'm part of it. Would love for you to be part of it as well. Compassion.ca slash COVID. Thanks, of course, Wycliffe College, the Evangelical Graduate School of Theology at the University of Toronto. You get an amazing education at public university prices instead of private seminaries. And uh, it's super affordable. But more than that, it's it's a, just a great place to grow as a disciple, to grow and grapple with theological issues, to grow as a leader. If you want to know more about why I went there, you know, the courses that I loved, stuff that impacted me about my time at Wycliffe when I did my master's there, go to wycliffecollege.ca slash wordmadedigital. Or maybe you just want to check out if you could take a course coming up this fall. Yeah, you can do that. If you want to take a course, you want to just audit, you don't even want the credits, or you're looking to take a whole program, check it out, see what they have to offer. All right, next up, Jake Gosselin of Church Front. I found him on his YouTube channel and all the tutorials he does. But he's really asking questions about how we can reach more people and how we can make our worship experiences more impactful. So you're going to love this conversation with Jake. Let's go. 
Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to Season 4, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Jake Gosselin, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm so glad to have you. Thanks for having me, Joanna. So glad to be here. <laughs> I uh, found you. I was just saying, I, I found you through um, some live streaming you were doing with Ecamm, which is a product I use for live streaming stuff on the internet, and uh, discovered this this world that you lead, the business that you run, Churchfront, and your YouTube stuff, and and uh, so I was glad to, to discover you uh, so that we could talk because I think you have so much um, to teach us. So before we go too much farther, who are you? What's this business or this ministry that you do? Let's start there. Where did this come from? Yeah. Well, my name is Jake and I am based in Denver, Colorado. I really live in Littleton, Colorado, which is the suburb just south of Denver. Uh, I've got my wife, Kaylee. We've got two twin toddlers who are two years old in a couple months. They're named Amos and Galilee. And my whole life pretty much consists of trying to be a great husband, a great dad, and then trying to build church front. Uh, church front is obviously more of the topic of the conversation uh, here. Um, and I, I started church front in 2016. In January of 2016, I think it was like probably the new year, and I think I was taking a shower, and I just kind of came up with an idea. Obviously, there's a bit more backstory to it there, but I've been a worship leader since high school, and now I'm about to turn 30 years old. Um, I'll be officially old here in in a couple couple in a month. (laughs) I don't know. um, I mean, anyone over 30 hearing that you say you're turning old when you're 30, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I know. And I'll say the same thing yeah. when I'm 40. Yeah. 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 And then 50 and 60. But I uh, been a worship leader since high school and had a pretty clear calling that that's what I wanted to do with, with my life since I was like a junior in high school. Went to college, studied music with a worship ministry emphasis. Um, that's where I met my wife. And then we ended up here in Colorado um, to go to Denver Seminary. Happens to be where my wife is from. So it just made sense to kind of land here in Denver and put our roots down here, get our uh, Master's of Divinity degree. And it was just sort of on the trajectory of your um, sort of typical just be a career worship leader, for lack of a better term. Sounds so unspiritual, but kind of is what it is. And yeah, uh, it's a yeah you know, for some. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, cause it's just like, this is what I want to do. This is, I, I've, I've just felt affirmed in that calling and feel like I had the, the skill set for that and, um, was, yeah, became a worship leader at a church here in Littleton as I was graduating seminary. And, um, I loved it, but at the same time, I think a lot of interesting things happens. I feel like in your decade of your twenties, now that it's coming to an end, um, and now in hindsight, a lot of it makes sense, but during it, it's just kind of confusing and frustrating. But, um, 
while I was entering into like full-time ministry, getting my seminary degree, I started to get that entrepreneurial bug of like, I feel like I'm wired for more than what I'm responsible for in terms of, you know, just planning and leading weekly worship. I was even the, made myself the communications director at the church, like a lot of worship leaders do because nobody else at the church seems <laughs> to know yeah. how. It was small enough that that, that yeah. role didn't already exist. So you take it on out of passion. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, if I were looking at our church online, I wouldn't want to come here or even get, uh-huh. try to visit it. So I've always naturally had an inclination to, to want to grow things, make things better, build things. And that, you know, I expressed that in, in the, the way I did, did my work for this church. And then I, back around when I graduated college too, I learned how to like pick up a camera and start like using a DSLR camera and, and doing photography, videography, had a creative friend who kind of inspired me to get into that. And I'm like, you know, I think that could come in handy to like learn how to use this thing and make digital media online just from a photo and video standpoint. And I was sort of acquiring those skills along the way. And I kind of combined it with worship ministry and it it was great. And then it gets a point. Then when people like wanted to pay me to make videos and stuff, and I started basically being your typical freelancer and all the while this first like full-time worship ministry job that I had at this church really quickly into it. I kind of learned it was one of those churches that said it wanted one thing, but realistically the way it functioned and when it just, that that wasn't going to happen in terms of like making changes so that it can be a place that's going to be reaching more people. So that, that quickly became frustrating. At the same time, I was building this side hustle, just shooting wedding videos. So many, like so many people I know, um, so many like YouTubers and stuff. I hear their stories, like starting shooting wedding videos. It's like the how everybody starts just to, to learn the craft, I guess, and and to just well, make a living, pressure, kind of on right? your own terms. Like, yeah, the wedding run and gun is like run and gun, and like mm-hmm. you, if you can't get them to kiss again, if you if you missed it, you may now kiss the bride moment. Like it's over, <laughs> so it's a it's high oh, pressure yeah. and run and gun, and you you have to learn in like challenging environments with bad light. You learn a ton. Yeah, but it's the best. Yeah, I think it's the best training environment for any videographer out there. Um, Because I'm like, man, I get a camera. I'm like so fast paced. It's like, let me properly expose this in about 2.5 seconds. And then I'm ready to go or like frame it and, you know, get good audio. Like um, (laughs) there's a lot of stressful moments back then. But I feel like I came out a stronger and better videographer uh, because of the fact. And uh that little business I had just like started taking off. Denver is a place where like, especially over the past decade, like so many millennials moved here and like all of them move here to work and, you know, lots of great businesses going around here, but that also means they're getting married. So it's like, there's a huge wedding market. And then, you know, even especially up in the resorts and the mountains, there's like a luxury wedding market. So it kind of got to the you know, that the peak of it, people paying me 5,000 bucks to shoot their wedding video, you know? And like, it ends up being, takes me maybe like three days of work to get that done. So it's like, huh, I'm making in like three days what I usually more than what I'd make in a month at my full-time church job. And this is just kind of, you know, creating a lot of opportunities. Like thank, you know, thankfully, like it was, it was a really high margin business, I guess you could say. Um, that really helped me or 
made me begin to kind of question like, what God, what am I doing? Like, you know, it's not that like I know. And I, and here's the thing for the past five years, like, cause it was about 2015 when I started like shooting weddings. Um, and this has all happened in the past five years, church run more the past three, but through it all, like I've still remained so involved in church. I'm actually still on staff at a church as a worship oh, leader. Staff still. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Worship leading is my side hustle now, I guess you could say, but, um, but no, it's, it's, it's great because it's still is like my main calling. And then I'm actually, you know, I feel like it's way more impactful too than it was, you know, five, three to five years ago. Um, mm. so that was all happening. And then eventually the church just gets to a point where I'm like, you know, I, I don't really have to work here anymore. It's driving me insane. And like, I was starting to also, um, just catch a vision for like what really healthy, innovative churches look like, uh, in Denver, it's called Red Rocks church. That's one of them here. And nobody's perfect. Red Rocks, they will never say they're perfect, but they're really cool. They got a cool story and they're really inspiring for someone who's entrepreneurial like me. And I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to be part of a church, uh, it's got to have similar DNA to what Red Rocks is doing. It doesn't have to be a mega church, but it's at least got to be the DNA is going to be similar in terms of like, mm. we do not exist to be a country club. We exist to reach people because that's what I feel like the church is, is for to, to advance the kingdom of God, not make, not make people feel comfortable. So, um, I quit my church job. That was like a week after I graduated seminary, I quit my full-time church job and I shot wedding videos for a couple of years, went to Red Rocks church, just served there as a volunteer. And then I kind of had a vision while all this was happening, sorry, I thought this was going to be a lot quicker of a story, but during, no, this is great. during this is all great. this, you're answering some of my questions in your story. Cool. So it's great. Cool. So like during this transitional period, you know, I would be an interim worship leader. If, if, if friends needed me to help out, I'll do it. Um, but my wife, she started interning at Red Rock. She ended up working there full time. So that became our church home. And, and that was awesome. And during this time too, I just kept reading more entrepreneurial business books and being like, yeah, like this is it. Like, this is what I need to do. And like, this is me. And it, it was actually a very good, like, uh, self-awareness, uh, time of, of growth for me to kind of really understand how I'm wired and what I like to do. Still a little unclear of what that had to do with church and ministry. Um, but what ended up happening as I was like, you know what? I started following uh, Pat Flynn, you know him, Smart Passive Income. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started listening to his podcast cause it's like the most popular business podcast. I think, um, it's been fun. I've been able to go on his coaching podcast and with him and like, it's just been cool, uh, doing that. Cause he's, he's the guy who, like really inspired a lot of this or helping me see it's possible to be like, Hey, you can take your expertise around something. Let's say worship ministry. And if you help people online, the way you can scale that is like, there's just so much potential there, even though it's a very niche market, like, when you, there's a lot of worship leaders in the world, right? And, and when you don't have the barriers of geography, you can help in any, you can build a business and cool things can happen. You can have a lot of freedom to your life. And it's just a lot of satisfaction of like, I'm making a lot of, I'm making a high impact. So I kind of caught that vision, uh, back in like 2015 into 2016. And that's when church Fund kind of came about. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to start making content online. And then I'm, you know, I'm not a famous worship artist. I'm not, I'm just a regular worship leader. I still am like, yeah, I have a bigger YouTube channel, but like it's, 
I'm still a regular worship leader. I'm a mediocre worship leader at I mean, best, your, right? Your YouTube channel is not – I want to talk to you about that in a little bit. We'll get there in the conversation. But the YouTube channel is not really like – it's not like people are not coming to your YouTube channel to watch you lead worship. Like they're like they were, no. like, you know, the classic, the Carrie Job or Elevation yeah. Church or whatever. They're they're going there for the music. I mean, they're coming to you for your your tech skills and your your channel is all about training and teaching um, how yep. to do the thing better, how to do worship. So, um, you know, I'm curious about some of this stuff for you because. I hear maybe one of the questions I was thinking to talk to you about was some of your like pet peeves or some things that are kind of driving you crazy about messages out there in church land. And it sounds like you're kind of meandering around this, even in what you're saying. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it looks like one of the things that you're, you're doing is offering cheap solutions or like affordable, reasonable solutions. Um, uh, why is that something I mean, why is it something that you want to keep making videos about? It feels like there's something like an angst, but like like the the holy discontent mm-hmm. or whatever you want to say behind it. Yeah, I think there's a couple of different different things I want to share about this. Um, I think my angst has always been why why do so many church leaders feel like because they're church leaders that's an excuse to just be lazy or be mediocre or things just not try hard, not be innovative. I don't, and I really don't know. I, maybe this is something I'll write a book about someday. It's like, and, and maybe it's cause like I spend so much time, you know, in the entrepreneurial business world that like so much of it's about like when I'm reading or following my business mentors or coaches or reading books, I feel like the overall message is like, and they, they, some of them aren't even spiritual or God, but they, they're like, there is so much, por- so much potential in you that you have not even tapped into like barely like yeah. 10% of it. So like yeah. smart, like smarten up and like get better disciplines in place in your life and like make the most of the time that you are given. And like, I feel like for some reason in the church world, there's just like this excuse of like, oh, we're a church, so it doesn't have to be good. Or, oh, we're a church, so we don't actually need to invest in our ministry, which is just like really wacky mindsets about things. It's like Jesus says, you know, like wherever your treasure is there, your heart is also And like, it's interesting because I'm having a lot of, I have a lot of sales conversations with churches and I don't think their treasure is necessarily in seeing, um, or I don't think their heart is necessarily in seeing their ministry grow and flourish because whether it's, for example, whether it's like investing in the right gear to like see things flourish and grow and, and go well, or, or even heck investing in like my training, you know, that's obviously a little bit more of a biased opinion there, but that's kind of my angst more recently, just about like church leaders in general. I think we and this is where I feel like I'm going against the grain because it, I don't know. I, I'll probably get in trouble for, for saying <laughs> this stuff, but no, I just, I feel like church leaders are when I'm reading like in Facebook groups or blog articles or whatever, it's just like, there's this kind of this like, woe is me. I'm a pastor type of thing going on. And like kind of this victim mentality sometimes of, of church leadership and again, this is, I'm like really just kind of thinking off the top of my head right now. And I haven't really, I'm kind of glad you asked me, yeah. like, I haven't really articulated this. And I think I'm going to maybe sit down and think more about it and what causes it. Well, I, I like, look at this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just, I guess I'll wrap that thought up and saying like, why do we have to 
act like we're like, I don't know, victims as church leaders. Yes. Like what we have to do, it's hard. And we got a hard calling. We're not only working against the, you know, um, just the practical complications of leading organizations with limited resources, but they're also, you know, there's spiritual elements to, to it as well, but God's on our side. The Holy spirit's on our side. And it's just like, man, we should be the most willing people to take risks, to innovate, to build, to improve, to make things better, to do things excellent. Like we have the ultimate reason to be the best at the best. And some reason we just want to be, have like be cop outs about it. So, right. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm wondering, maybe because you're still forming your, your thinking on this, but the thing that it makes me wonder, my hypothesis would be that in cities, states, environments where Christendom is still a thing, um, you can become a little complacent. Um, but then in, in contexts where Nobody goes to church by accident. There's no social cultural Christianity. I think of, you know, like the Portlands, the New Yorks. I think of my own city in Toronto. Like nobody's going to church on Sunday unless they intentionally thought they wanted to get up and go. It's not a cultural thing to do. There's no Christian culture here. And so, you know, in these kinds of environments, and certainly there's many places in the world like that, um, I wonder if that I don't know. I mean, what I don't know how you would even measure how you in some ways how we would measure this. There's probably people from Barna Group who would figure out how to measure this better than I could in terms of real qualitative research. But this idea of complacency or not trying to innovate, I think you can do less innovation if people will show up anyways. But it's when yeah. you get oh, desperate or like when there's a global pandemic <laughs> that yep. maybe you need to innovate. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and we Does see that, that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that all the time, let's say, just like even corporations, right? Like that's why Amazon, you know, that's why, yeah, Amazon completely defeated uh, in terms of like Borders and Barnes and Noble and all those, like all these, you hear all these stories are like blockbusters out of business and they had a chance to buy Netflix. Like, it's just like the comfort is the most scary thing in the world. Like right now, in terms of growing church front, I, it's this weird tension between like, okay, we're like, we're in a good place. The team's growing, like business is healthy at the same time. I can't be too comfortable. Like I have to yeah. like always be on the edge of like freaking out that I could lose everything tomorrow right? <laughs> or, or, yeah. or taking risks that are uncomfortable. Um, yeah, man. And then the other, the other thing too, cause I like, feel like I kind of like rambled on a little much in answering your original question of like why the budget friendly stuff, uh, in terms of the content we create, uh, well, it's very searchable. People are searching like cheap ways to do this, right? So for SEO or whatever, it's good that people find my stuff and that's how I grow my subscriber base. So SEO <laughs> tip. Um, at the same time, I, I do want people to see like in, in, cause, cause there's budget friendly, um, different ranges of budgets, right? So when I say budget friendly, I'm like, here's how to create like really quality online worship content on a budget that's like maybe less than $5,000, but probably more than one to $2,000. Now, some people, it's not budget friendly if it's more than, if it's more than 10 cents. Right. And I can't help them. <laughs> like, it's like literally like okay, the expe okay. expectations people have, but like, I can help you if you are a small to medium sized church and you got a, you have a couple thousand dollars, you want to buy the right gear because a lot of that stuff has become so accessible over the past decade. Right. Um, you do not need multiple five figure budgets or, or six figure budgets as a church to have really just high quality 
production going on for, for your worship ministry from a musical and a technical standpoint. So I feel like, yeah, the place where I really thrive is like helping churches see like, yeah, like you can get this awesome digital mixer. You can get a uh, DAW like Ableton. You can automate things. You can get it all connected. And like a lot of the budgets we work with, especially for like a smaller, maybe portable church, less than $50,000. Whereas like if you go to whatever it's called, the portable church company that help, I think it's called portable church. Yeah, like yeah. I've worked with them myself. Yeah. Like that, that company is for like, if you raised like a quarter million to half a million dollars and you're ready to like, here, give me everything I need for a portable church. And then they actually yeah. give you kind of overkill for everything. Not to say it's bad. Like I think for some churches, it's a little, if, it depends if you're a scrappy bootstrapped church plant versus like, just like another campus, a, a large church is launching. So, um, yeah. that's what I mean yeah. by budget friendly. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, some, some churches that I've worked with or worked at, uh, you know, the, the definition of starting a new campus means, you know, 250 to $400,000 to, to work with like portable church or a company like that. And then there's other churches I've seen and work with that, you know, have a very meaningful community experience for church every Sunday in multiple locations. And like their costs to launch a new site is, I don't know, like $50,000 or less, you know, because they're doing that. What they're doing is different. Um, what the, maybe the experience or the look and feel of it is different, but it's just as, you know, like, uh, you know, the speaking, speaking of that, like, that's what I've done and kind of wraps up the story of where I'm at. Like I'm at mission Lakewood church. We are a two year old church plant. We meet in a high school. We set up and tear down every week. We started with less than $50,000 of infrastructure for everything we do on Sunday morning. And me documenting that journey on my YouTube channel, teaching other people how we've done that, like that's been a big catalyst to the growth of, of Churchfront as well. So so now where I'm at now, it's like I'm part-time worship leader at Mission Lakewood, and then I've got Churchfront, which is a small, edu- I guess you can call us like a education consulting company for worship ministries, um, and we're growing. We've got one, two, three, f- four four full-time people, including me and like a part-time person or something like that. Um, so that's, yeah. But I hope yeah. that kind of wraps up the story a little bit for no, people it's wondering. Good. It's good. Yeah. And so church front, you're saying you started in the last couple of years and, um, what, uh, what exactly do you do? Because I've seen, so you have this online courses stuff, but beyond the online courses, I want to talk about the courses, mm-hmm. but beyond that, what, what would you like? Hey, we're a church. We're calling you up. We're emailing you. How can you help us? What do you do? Yeah. So we do a hybrid of the online courses because that online courses, especially, you know, if you can make them well and you can be comprehensive, if you can be step-by-step, lots of ingredients, right. To make a great online course, make a course that people actually care about what the result is. Um, we combine that with, like real time coaching with our team over zoom video. And that's what we do. And like just today I was on, you know, a coaching call with a couple of people helping one guy troubleshoot some audio routing on his mixer. Another guy think through a live streaming setup. Um, and then we've got this growing course library that my team continues to build and improve and enhance and update over time of worship leader trainings that, they may be theological in nature of like, here's how to, you know, speak or pray between worship or plan sets in a theologically intentional way, or here's how to use Ableton Live to automate everything in worship. Um, 
So we are yeah. saying is we help you lead gospel-centered and tech-savvy worship. There is a huge uh, need in the world of worship ministry to equip worship leaders with the right pastoral training and technical training. Um, and then probably leadership, I would say, like just leading a team and stuff. But like the most practical needs is like a lot of worship leaders stumble into this because they can sing and play acoustic guitar and then they get stuck on a platform and then they realize, I have no clue how in your monitor systems work, or I don't even know like how to pick songs for Sunday or what to say or pray between songs. So we're very pragmatic in terms of like, those are types of problems that we solve. Yeah. They came to it as a musician, as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, a worship leader or a pastoral background or a technical background, which are all part of the job now. Um, I really want to lean into this online training stuff. Um, because I think, I mean, even just if you go on Instagram and I feel like I get ads about this stuff, like whether it's like the master class with all the celebrities doing their court, like you can learn to cook from Dave Ramsey or whatever. Or, sorry, oh, not that Dave was Ramsey. the best Dave master Ramsey's, class ever. I'm talking about Gordon Ramsey. Dave Gordon Ramsey, Ramsey yeah. Gordon. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. It's funny. I didn't even catch that because like, I know exactly. I watch my wife and I have the master class oh, subscription you? Okay, you got and it. like watching, watching that cooking, that cooking uh, class, like. I never really encountered Gordon Ramsay except for seeing his angry videos online or whatever. Like I never watched the cooking channel, but I feel like that master class like brings people like him into, I don't know, our generation. And, um, it's inspiring. There's there's all kinds of courses. Some are celebrity courses, like in master class. That's the appeal. They're obviously (laughs) trying to sell you this celebrity training. Um, and then there's lots, I mean, lots of people can make a course, um, online, you know, even like, as you've mentioned, the idea of like passive income, people are trying to figure out there's lots of programs like teachable and whatever that'll help you set up courses online. Um, so my point of that is I'd like to learn from you. I think everyone would love to understand from you. You've made courses that are successful. What do you, what do you think makes a course successful? Uh, because there are a lot of courses that people don't buy, and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of courses that you know people don't don't want to buy uh because they don't maybe they don't trust it or the content is crap or whatever it is i'd love to to get what have you learned along the way of what makes a course really viable on the internet yeah it's it has to solve a a big enough problem that your your particular niche or market cares about solving that much it's so in, in, infuriating to them that they can't like figure something out that like they're just like oh you know how to do it like here like take the dollars and then in exchange for that i get the value of like this shortcut it's gonna save me time i'm gonna get ideas that i never even thought of before or whatever but it, it, in the end it's like any business product the only reason it succeeds is like it solves a very specific problem like now you know with like amazon like i i do the, my least favorite thing is going to any brick and mortar store to shop for things. Right. It's just like, I wanted to show up at my door a couple, in a couple hours. And like, you know, obviously right now the deliveries are all, all kind of delayed, but like that's Amazon is like the best at solving very many specific problems. Right. And I feel like for any business or whatever you're making, whatever product, it's like, you got to make sure it, it, it solves a pain point in your market. And the reason you, and the way you find that out is you just ask your market, like what, what is your problem or challenge you're facing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you're going to get lots of feedback from them. And this is like stuff. I remember it's just why I love Pat Flynn so much is like, I literally just like did what he told, what did, did what he said to do. And in terms of like, when you're getting started, you build an audience, you put content, content out there. People search for, you build that audience off that content by building like an email list or subscriber base. And then you ask them, Hey, what's, what's like the number one challenge you have right now? And then they share it with you. And then from there you develop like, a solution to that, which can often be packaged in some sort of co- course or training program. Right. And I guess, and, and it sounds like you're, you're answering this maybe in another way, but, um, you know, as the, I've, I've never, uh, up till today, I have not sold a course on the internet. I do a ton of training and a ton of teaching, um, in webinars and in live streams and podcast stuff and, and like people bring me in for workshops and things like that, but I've never done the course thing. So I'm just thinking, around this and other people would be wondering this too. How do you, how do you position yourself as a credible voice in, in a world where lots of people might offer, you know, they're the one with the solution to your worship tech problems. Um, how do you show yourself to be someone that can be trusted? I.e. I can put money into your product because not every course is made equal. Some are, are excellent value for dollar and some are not, but you, how you, but then the risk is you may not know that until you've already purchased it. So how do you build yeah. trust? Yeah. Um, I, I think there, there definitely is a myth in the business world that it's like, Oh, in order to sell a course or a consulting program, I need to have a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers for people to take me seriously. Cause that is kind of a mindset barrier that a lot of one like entrepreneurs have in terms of like wanting to start something or build something. So I want to encourage people to be like, you know what? Like it's not really that hard, especially now with all these digital tools that we have out there. Like if you just add value to someone in a simple way, like in it, even like you can just help them see like a clear path towards what they want. Like they're going to have at least some sense of trust in you to want to invest in, in whatever it is that you have to offer. And then, then yeah, like, you want to, you know, on, on all of our like one-off courses and stuff like that, if someone just cold traffic comes across a page and buys a course, like we have a 30 day money back guarantee. So like, if you don't like this, like you, you just tell us and we re- refund you, like there's zero risk in this purchase. So, I mean, there's practical ways of like of fulfillment of a product and like some of the terms of service that you can be like, Hey, there literally is no risk here. And like, yeah, I mean, I guess there are like complete yeah, scammers like out there, but, but I guess like, you know, the credibility thing for, for my story and this looks different for everybody, but you know, I, I just like worked my butt off for like a, a year, uh, putting out a bunch of, um, YouTube videos and blog posts that were hundred percent free. And then people started subscribing and they followed my stuff. And then of course, like they're going to trust me. Like I know what I'm talking about because I, they've watched hours upon hours of my content. Um, and then I'm, you know, then we make an offer to them and they're like, Oh yeah, awesome. There's more. So what's, what's your opinion on, because you're coming at this as someone, your whole story is that you were starting out in wedding filming. And so you have a film background. A lot of people have a great expertise in a subject, but they don't have, um, maybe the filming skills. They, they have excellent content to help someone, but they Mm -hmm. don't know how to properly film that they don't have the gear, you know, blah, blah, blah. How, how important do you think is it 
for the quality of the edit, the filming, the lighting, the audio versus the content itself? Like if you could, if you could have like a, I don't know, like a, is it 99% content, 1% production or, you know, how would you, yeah. Okay. As long as people can like, can understand what you're saying or like see an (laughs) illustration of what you're trying to make, what point you're trying to make, like, um, production value in the world of information products, it does not matter. Now I would say at least when you're getting started with like a minimal viable product, but because that's, this is another huge thing that holds like, I, you know, I talk to people about this all the time. Cause they're like, Jake, you built church fund. I want to make courses. It's like, and I'm like, great, just do it. And they're like, Oh, well I gotta like get fancy camera gear. Or like, oh, like all the excuses come up and yeah. stuff like that. And it's like, you don't like you literally, if you just have a laptop, you pretty much have everything you need to, to make really high quality content, um, for, for anybody. And they'll pay a lot. I've paid like more money than probably what costs for like a graduate program for like, you know, for coaching programs that I've gone through that the production quality is atrocious, but like, that's what I was not, I was not paying for fancy videos. I'm paying for someone to help me get from A to B with my business. So to say, so, so to speak. So like the, the, it, in the end, like people want a result. They don't want a fancy online course portal with videos. But once you get to the, it gets to a point where like, yeah, like, you know, here at church front, like we have the knowledge and expertise or whatever, like, heck, you don't even have to do courses. You could just do group coaching calls or something and like deliver the same information, right? It starts out, if you do it like really scrappy that way, what's cool is you don't have to, you know, record all your content. You can just like kind of deliver it live over a period of time um, and not hope that people will buy something that you put hours and hours into making. You just obviously prep enough to like give a coaching call on it. So, I mean, there's so many scrappy ways of doing it. And it's like what there's ways of validating whether or not your topic is even something people care about. Um, but production value, people like make way too big of a deal that I think it's something where as a business matures, then you can, yes, it reinvest the dollars into making the production value better. So that's something like, we've been doing for all of our courses now we're like, we shoot everything in 4k. It's going to sound amazing. We got to illustrate things perfectly. Like, yeah. And that's, that's what I want to keep. That's start, how I want to keep start reinvesting scrappy into it. And yep. just start with what you have. Yep. I love that advice. Um, let's, let's move into YouTube. I mean, we've, we've, we've danced in and out of it. You've talked about, you have a YouTube channel. So you have 93,000 subs on YouTube. I don't know how long it's taken you to grow that, but for Christian content, um, sorry, I should say Christian-based content, <laughs> I mean, like you're not preaching on the internet, but uh, my bias is that that is unusual for Christian content to have that many subs. Um, you know, even we were starting before we started recording, I was saying my friend Maddie Hapoya, you know, he is a Christian YouTuber, but he doesn't do Christian stuff on his YouTube. And so he has, you know his entire business and, and his employee base is run off of his YouTube channel, but, um, he's not doing Christian content. And so I've always sort of felt like you you can't really make money on YouTube doing Christian content. What do you think about that? How do you grow on YouTube as a Christian content creator? The way to grow on YouTube, if you're any content creator, it doesn't matter if it's Christian or whatever topic, um, you make content people search for. That's it. That's the secret is like it, especially when you get going, I think like 
once in a while you can maybe have more content and you're like, Oh, I just want to share my opinions on something or whatever. Maybe people, maybe it just all has to do with like, are people searching for what you're putting out there? So for, for me, it was like, how to use Ableton live and worship. That was a lot of my early content because Ableton live is a really powerful software, but it's like super confusing if no one shows you how to do it. Right. Um, so that was, that was kind of my story learning how to use it. And then like, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to put these on YouTube and then, that's how people started discovering my stuff, right? Or, or uh, another one. Uh, think about. I made a video two years ago. The channel really. I didn't start making content consistently with it. Really, yeah. Actually, not. I don't want to say consistently at all until January 2017. That's when I'm like, I'm gonna make a video a week, and never stop doing that. So that's been just just over three years. And and you're and you're that um, consistent. Do you think that consistency matters? That you're doing yeah. this every week. That's how you get the subs. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some channels out there, like when you're posting videos that are searchable and also hit a wide enough audience type that maybe they don't have to make as, as many frequently to like grow. But I especially think in a smaller niche, like worship ministry is a relatively smaller niche, especially worship leaders and tech leaders. I'm not making worship music videos, like you said, like that people are searching to listen for. Um, it, if you, you gotta be kind of committed to like, I, I view it as like church front is half media company. And what do people expect from a media company? They expect content, like regular content to entertain or inform them. Um, and I knew that was going to be, you know, in our day and age, like Gary V always says, like the, the number one commodity is attention, right? Um, and, you know, you can get attention through a lot of organic traffic from these platforms, or you can get attention through paid traffic, I'm trying to get I'm trying to use leverage both of those things. Um, but with YouTube, I've been, I've like, I've dabbled in spending a couple bucks on YouTube ads, but like I spent all my ad money on Facebook and Instagram, but with YouTube, it's been all organic and all about making videos that people search for within my market. So as a worship leader, tech learning resource, every video I have to make has to fall is within that um, category. I'm not going to make something about, um, something else like in children's ministry in the church or something like that. Right. Even that's going out beyond the niche of like, I want to stay focused on one topic. If, if anyone listening to this, check out uh, children's ministry, like how to do worship on a budget for kids. Yeah. Like (laughs) if it was, if it was like, Hey, worship ministry tech set up for children. I don't know. Like I could, we could make that work, but like, Everybody should, if, if, if you're interested in doing a YouTube channel, check out Sean Cannell, Think Media. He's got, he's a really cool dude. I learned a lot from him. Um, and, uh, literally just copying what he does on his channel strategy wise. And he teaches it. He has courses and stuff, but this stuff works. It's all about ranking your videos. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the part where it's like the, the bias of it's hard for harder for Christians, but I love what you're saying. Like double down on the niche or the niche, as Americans would say, <laughs> we say niche yep. and uh, double down and like really focus in. But that meaning that people will come to like look to you for that content, subscribe to you to get predictable content. But um, I mean, they've just done some AdSense changes, the monetization stuff on YouTube is I mean, it changes every once in a while. It's changed again. It's gone down. What do you think about that? What's your as a as a creator? Um, what do you Mm -hmm. think about that? And then as a Christian content creator or a church based content creator, how does that affect you? Or what do you think about that? When it comes to, so like with revenue and stuff like that, yeah. Um, 
I have almost a hundred thousand subscribers and my, the topic of my videos is around, um, you know, church worship tech, not a very high CPM rate or whatever they call it in terms of advertisers spending money to get on my videos. Right. Um, I think the ones who spend money on my videos are whatever that pure flick, uh, network or whatever it's called, the net, the Christian Netflix, their ads are on my videos. And it's like, okay, great. And then like, I don't know, just random stuff. So the thing is like, I do not at all care or rely on YouTube ad, ad revenue, right. For my, as a creator, um, at least for our, for our business, it's a nice little bonus. Um, and it's just at this point, it's like two to two to three, two to three grand a month of, of like what the ad revenue is. I don't mind being transparent about that. Cause it's like, great. This can like help cover like my office rent and like maybe some of my, monthly expenses as a business, but, and it's a nice bonus. Sometimes it goes a little higher or lower than that, depending on what people are searching for. But all that said, like, if you're don't, don't get your hopes up about making a full living or a business just off of YouTube at revenue. That's right. for sure. You're talking about diverse streams of income. YouTube is, is part of the mix, but it's yeah. like, you're, you have other ways you're making income. And I think that's, yeah. you know, True. Do you have merch, by the way? <laughs> a lot of a lot of guys on YouTube are doing the merch as a stream of income. They're doing courses. You're doing I don't. Yeah, I don't. I kind of. Well, you have, we actually thought we just have a time, like, because we want to make just like funny, dumb T-shirts about our about our niche. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In like, I might do that. Who knows? We'll we'll see. I'm like literally, like, honestly, having like one of my guys because Ashton, one of the guys who he's made videos for us, like he he made these funny like stick figures in Photoshop and with, I don't know, only stuff our niche would understand. But I was like, you know, that might be fun merch for them. People might want to buy. So, yeah. And, um, okay. I mean, we got to round out the conversation here, but you know, I'm thinking of the moment we're in, um, pandemic mode, people are in or out or going in and out of this quarantine or self-isolation or, um, lockdown or social distancing. There's so many words for it. Depends what level of seriousness our local government is taking. But um, you know, this is a reality that I think is going to affect the next couple of years. So I'd love, just love to hear what are some you know ways you're trying to resource churches, or just even just what would you say to encourage churches right now, especially those smaller churches. You know, those the ones that don't have the you know huge broadcast studios. Um, how would you mm-hmm. encourage them in this time, or whether a word of encouragement or even just like a word of how encouraging them on what to focus on in, in this bizarre time we find ourselves in. Yeah. Um, obviously it's a good time to, to kind of like step it up with your online game. Everybody's kind of being forced into this and it, it, this is your responsibility as a pastor church leader to, um, try to connect and resource your congregation during this time, especially cause it's like spiritually people need, need help now more than ever. Now is not the time to like necessarily like nickel and dime about, you know, spending a couple hundred bucks on a can a nice camera for your live stream setup or whatever. Um, the, the other thing though, too, is like, don't feel like you have to spend a ton of money on these things. Like, like, like I said earlier about the whole budget thing, it's like, if you have probably you already have a lot of the gear you need, a lot of churches already have like a decent laptop. Um, they already have like a digital mixing console for audio. Um, and maybe there's a camera kicking around. Like you can just piece all these things together pretty in a pretty simple way. Um, with the right, 
pieces of little hardware to make some connections. You can use software like Ecamm Live for live streaming. Um, there's software like Restream, so you can get the stream to multiple platforms. And you can e- even do it the way we're doing at our church, is you pre-record during the week, and then you schedule the stream to play through Restream on Sunday, and it just works. And you, you don't have to worry about like executing something perfectly during the live stream. You know, For us at Mission Lakewood, we weren't really doing any live streaming at all before this. Like we would just, uh, right after the service, we would post our sermon video and that was it. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to get, to have to get these, you know, this infrastructure in place for us. And then moving forward, we're, we're going to come out of this stronger when it comes to the technology that we're using. And, um, even hopefully when we get back to normal services soon, we'll be able to, you know, have a really, great way to capture our worship gatherings that we do at the high school we meet at. And then I think we'll still do the pre-record those gatherings and maybe post them the week after type of uh, stream. Um, but I guess my word encouragement is like, it just, I don't know if it's a word encouragement or a word advice, like just don't overcomplicate it. Be realistic. Like if you're, if you want things to look like Elevation Church, like, okay, be ready to drop like a half a million dollars on your infrastructure and have the team <laughs> to do it. Right. But fortunately you don't have to like it, it people, it's kind of like that conversation we had earlier. It's like people care about content more than production value. Right. So, um, it's easy to have really high quality imagery and sound, but then if your content isn't great, if your sermons aren't great, if the music you're singing or whatever isn't great, if you're not trying to get people to engage with a live stream, like then it's just going to fall flat anyway. So, right. And there's a, a live stream down the, down the street, so to speak, that people can find that engages yeah. with them differently. Down, down the feed, just scroll, yeah, scroll, down feed. just yeah. scroll down, down Instagram. Just look on, I love that on top of Instagram right now, like all the stories, there's like live, 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 yeah. live. And then finally you get to like the stories that you wanted to watch. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's yeah. going live right now. Cause it is, it is that easy to do. Uh, Jake, if people want to find you on the internet, they want to find your work, they want to find your company, your YouTube, where do people, where should people be sent? Yeah, on YouTube, just search Church Front, uh, and then um, on Instagram at Jake Goslin or, or Church Fronts on Instagram too. Pretty pretty easy to to find there. Unfortunately, I'm too easy to find if you Google. I guess you could say, <laughs> but awesome. that's the downside of making lots of stuff online. Awesome. Yeah. And just is Church Front if you're googling it, Church Front two words, Church Front one word. One. It's like one storefront, but Church yeah. Front. Church it's funny the, one word the original find the it. original story behind it it wasn't even going to be that focused on worship ministry I was like I'm just going to do like digital marketing services for churches and like the web is like the new web the web is like the modern day storefront right for like you're talking about like regular businesses and I was like oh well it's the same thing for a church church front and there we go that was my shower moment I had of coming up with a name for it and All now it's just ideas. a worship ministry brand. Yeah, they come, you know, I hear so many people talk about you know, the ideas that come to them when they're shampooing their hair. <laughs> it's all these yeah. great ideas when when we're finally not distracted by our screens. We come up with these yep. brilliant ideas. Hey, Jig, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah, people are going to want to come and check out your content, uh, check out these courses. And I think just like, yeah, it's such a great encouragement to churches all over that like there are people who are passionate, have a theological context 
of what worship is, what that can mean in the local church setting, these gospel-focused, gospel-centered churches. Um, but we do have the best news in the world. I always say on this podcast, we have the best news in the world. The church has the best news in the world. So we should be the best mm-hmm. communicators of the message. So thanks for what you're doing Amen to, uh, to help churches do that. Well, thanks to Jake for that conversation. I love that this podcast allows me to get to know new people who are working and serving the church in all these interesting ways to do with communication, technology, and digital and creative, and how they all come together in the work that Jake is doing. So next up on the podcast next week, can't wait to bring you Stefan Kuntz. Have you heard of Stefan Kuntz? He's an artist who's famous for his hand lettering work. And he has this slogan, he says, make something every day even if it sucks. So maybe you've seen him. He's left his corporate job behind and now he's worked with some of the biggest brands. He's worked with Coke, Coca-Cola. He's worked with Adobe and Apple and Bombay Sapphire, Nokia, Hallmark. He's worked with Hillsong, you know, and all kinds of other brands. Maybe you've even heard him on the Hillsong Creative Podcast. I think he was the first guest that they ever had when they launched the podcast. And he um, really is going to teach us some principles of creativity and what he's learned through being a hand letterer and what he's doing with this business. So can't wait to bring you that next week, that conversation with Stefan. He was in Switzerland when we spoke and he is uh, from Switzerland. So you're going to enjoy the conversation. But thanks, of course, also to Compassion and to Wycliffe as partners on the podcast. Go to compassion.ca slash COVID today to donate. I mean, there is so much going on right now in the world and we need to get involved. We, the church, need to come alongside the local church church around the world to help them with much needed food, medical care, and support during this pandemic. Also go to wickliffecollege.ca slash wordmadedigital and check out some courses, see what the school has to offer. And if you're looking to grow as a leader, as a disciple, um, to expand yourself, I think Wycliffe College is a great place to do it. Finally, Digital Church, the Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there and can't wait to see you and hear from you and connect with you on the internet and on the airwaves over the next week. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.